0: a woo a hand clapper, a high-fiver. I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VTW Void. prohibited
0: by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here Here's your host, Greg Peterson.
3: A warm and Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Decent Family Podcast, and we do have a great podcast for you. So in the second segment, I'm going to be joined by Mid-Major Matt, a.k.a. Matt Josephs. I love being able to get him on because he's a handicapper that does a wide variety of work. When it comes to college football, you're able to catch him on Eflon Sports every year, doing his previews. He's getting set for those, but when it comes to betting on baseball, he does a great job looking at so many different things. First five team totals. He sometimes takes a look at first three. He does a great job in the K-Prop market, so i going to ask him a little bit about some of the strikeout props that he's going to be looking at for Saturday. He also is a man that follows the Philadelphia Phillies very closely, so we're going to be taking a look at how they've been performing without Joe Girardi and going to be taking a look at the Saturday slate in general with him, so that's good to be a fun chat in the second segment. In the final segment, gonna give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. If you've got one or two ways we to, to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind letters CM yeah. name does not matter so as per usual please do send these into the timeline. And the other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars it is very much appreciated. From there you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five review. Really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we had a great day of baseball on Friday, so let's take a look back at it. Tried to find some trends in Try to get to know these he seems a little bit better. Games from
0: yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap.
3: Been quite a turnaround recently for the Philadelphia Phillies. They entered in 15-5 and in their last 20 games prior to Friday, but they get shut out 1-0. to zero. The Padres are able to get it done as the Phillies go 0-8 with men in scoring position, leaving 10 on. As for the Padres, Mackenzie Gore, not a thing of beauty. Four walks and five innings, but was able to keep it scoreless from there. Bell Chrismet, two scoreless innings, and then Lewis Garcia and Taylor Rodgers. They're both able to give you a scoreless setting with Rodgers throwing 29 pitches in the ninth inning as the lone RBI in this game Came off the bat of Austin Supernola. He gets an RBI off of his brother, Aaron Supernola. And Aaron, I mean, he wound up delivering a good start. Ten strikeouts, one run allowed in seven innings. I'll call him a tough luck loser with the way that the Phillies couldn't do anything from Jose Alvarado, he winds up coming in. He gives you a scoreless inning as well as the Padres. they got some of the most demonstrative home and road splits out there in the big leagues when it comes to runs per game as they actually lead the big leagues in terms of runs per game on the road. But you take a look at them at home and... They've been averaging in terms of runs per game right in the neighborhood of about 3.8-ish. So that's a difference of about one and a half runs per game. Home to road. The Chicago Cubs, they hold the St. Louis Cardinals down to nothing, 3-0. to zero. Cubs are able to get it done as they wind up getting a home run off the bat of Nico Horner. Fourth home run season that comes off of Andre Palanti. Pellanti gives up three runs over the course of six innings, including that homer Nick Wicker granted two scoreless innings and Junior Fernandez a scoreless inning. But even if Pellanti had given up just one run, would have been one too many as the professor Kyle Hendricks, he took the kids to school. Seven and a third inning scoreless. Chris Martin gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. And David Robertson is able to come in and is able to give a scoreless inning. So the Chicago Cubs all of a sudden have been able to win two out of their last three. As it's been very up and down with the guards. The offense for the Cubs recently, they have scored three runs of fear in three out of their last six games. And in the other three games, they wound up scoring 14 14- Seven, and I believe that they wound up having in there as well a six spot as well. It was a one to zero game out there with the twins, and the twins they wanted winning a one to zero game against the Guardians on Thursday. They lose a one to zero game against the Rockies on Friday, as for Colorado. They go one of seven with men in scoring position, and it was enough. Herman Marquez. Seven and two-thirds innings scoreless. He had allowed three runs or more in all but two starts this season. Don't, don't call me Al Bundy. He was not shoving like Al. He gave up just one run over the course of six innings. Ty Duffy, two scoreless innings out of the bullpen. And then Tyler Thornburg, he's able to give you a scoreless inning as well. But the Twins, they were without Byron Buxton. They weren't able to get a lot going. You wind up having one and a third innings scoreless out of Daniel Bard to be able to close out the game. So the Rockies, they go on the road. They wind up being able to win a low-scoring slobber knocker. Speaking of low-scoring slobber knockers, the Arizona Diamondbacks, just 11 out of their 37 home games this season, have one over. The Tigers, they played right around 64% of their games overall under the total, and the Tigers get enough offense to be able to get it done. 5-1 the final as Javi Baez gets his seventh home run season off of Merrill Kelly, and for Kelly, not a good start here. Gives up four runs over the course of six innings, giving up a home run in the process. Sean Poppin gives up a run in an inning. Kyle Nelson, J.B. Wendelkin, they both give you a scoreless inning, but for the Arizona Diamondbacks, the team that's hitting as a right around about a 2.15-ish. They just weren't able to get to Ronnie Garcia. Gives up a one run in five and a third innings. Michael Fulmer, Andrew Chaffin, Gregory Soto. I'll give you a scoreless setting. And Alex Lang, a pair of outs out there in the bullpen. The only team that has had a higher underrate than the Tigers this season, that'd be the Houston Astros. And they continue their clip of two-thirds of games going under the total as they take down the New York Yankees by a count of 3-1 to, to drop the Yankees to Gasp, 52-19, because how are they going to be able to survive with that record? But Kyle Tucker, 14th home run season. That comes off of Luis Severino, who is giving up three runs over the course of six innings. Ron Medanacchio, along with Miguel Castro, Wandy Peralta, I'll give you a scoreless saying. for for Giancarlo Sam, he was the only form of offense for the Yankees on this side. He winds up getting his 16th home run season. That comes off of Justin Verlander, who delivered a great start. Giving up that home run over the course of seven innings, Phil Maiden, Rafael Montero come in. They both give you a scoreless saying to be able to close the door. You wind up having the New York Mets be able to get to Sandy Alcantara. 5-3 to three, the final, you did wind up having Francisco Lindor really go off in this game. I will say there were some errors out there in the field. Sandy Alcantara does wind up giving up all the runs in this game, but he was not out by the umpires, and he was not out by the fielding, we'll call it, like it is. Five runs, four of which were earned, given up in seven innings for Mr. Alcantara going deep off of him. Marcanas' sixth home run season, then Lindor. He winds getting his 12th as he wound up having four RBI in this game as well. And Taiwan Walker, not a great start, not a terrible start. Gives up three runs over the course of six innings and then Adam Avino, Drew Smith combined for two scoreless settings. And Edwin Diaz was able to give you a scoreless setting as well. As for the Miami Marlins, Dylan Flora, Jacob Iacobonis, they both give you a scoreless setting. But for the Miami Marlins, they do wind up stranding nine men on base in this game as well. So we wind up seeing both of the front runners, in my opinion, for Ziya Young, Joe Musgrove, Long Sandy Alcantara over the last 48 hours. We end up having some not-so-great starts. DK Nation pick was on the under in the Blue Jays versus the Milwaukee Brewers game. And speaking of not-great starts, Adrian, don't call me Doogie Howser. You look like Doogie Auzer. 9-4, to four, the Toronto Blue Jays able to get it done. They put up a five-spot in the second inning as Adrian Auzer. He completes six innings but gives up five runs along the way. And then Trevor Kelly comes out of the bullpen. He gives up three runs in an inning, including a pair of homers. Going deep off of him. Kavan Biggio, second home run season, Alejandro Kirk, his ninth and then for the Brewers, you would wind up having Peter Strzelski come in for two innings, he gave up a run along the way, and for the Brewers, they did wind up getting a deep shot of their own, Tyrone Taylor, ninth home run of the season, that winds coming off of Alec Manoa, so a relatively solid start for him, two runs given up in six and two-thirds innings, he's allowed two earned runs or fewer in every one of his road starts thus far this season, Adam Simber, Matt Gage, both give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and Jeremy Beasley was not been good. He gives up two runs in an inning of work himself, as you did wind up also wind up having the Boston Red Sox putting up some runs. They take down the Cleveland Guardians by a count of 6-3 of as for Boston. Relatively solid start from Nick Pavetta. Two runs given up over the course of seven innings. He did wind up allowing home run to Andre Jimenez, his eighth home run of the season. But from there, you did wind up having Tanner Oak give up a run in the bullpen but John Schreiber, scored the setting of his own. And the Red Sox win this game despite going over nine with men in scoring position and stranding twelve men on base. As he did wind up having a pair of home runs. Christian Arroyo, fourth home run of the season. And then you wind up having Rafael Devers get his 17th for Devers. He winds up going deep off of Cal Quantrill, who gave up that home run two runs in total over the course of five innings. Wound up having a little bit of an elevated pitch count. Other home run that comes off of Brian Shaw. He's not been having a great season. Three runs given up in two thirds of an inning. Sam Entiges a scoreless inning. Anthony Ghost was able to give you an out out of the bullpen. And then it wound up turning into Mr. Johan Ramirez coming out of the bullpen. Two innings pitch. He winds up giving up a run along the way as. You just did not wind up having a lot of overs on this night as you wind up having that Mets versus Marlins game go over, Blue Jays versus Brewers go over. It was a push in Red Sox versus Guardians, and those were the only games that wound up going over the total as a Rays, They were able to hold it down against the Pittsburgh Pirates. 4-3, to three, they wind up winning in extra innings. as for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Mitch Keller not a great start, not a terrible start. Gives up three runs over the course of five innings, and then the bullpen went to work. Anthony Banda, Chris Stratton, they combined for three scoreless settings. He up getting a scoreless setting out of Cam View as well before coming in f- for the 10th inning. Yuri De Los Santos, he winds giving up the under run that begins on second base in the 10th inning. As for the Pittsburgh Pirates, all their runs came off of solo home runs. Michael Chavis, his eighth home run season. Hoy Park, his second home run in the campaign. And Diego Castillo, his sixth. All three of those bombs given up by Jeffrey Springs in his Six innings of work, all solo runs, and then from there, Tampa Bay Rays, they know how to be able to utilize the bullpen. Jason Adams, Brooks Raley, along with Colin Pooch, Matt Weisler, all give you a scoreless setting to be able to get it done. The LA Dodgers, they get it done in the return of Freddie Freeman to Atlanta. 4-1 to the final. Freeman in his return, two walks and a hit, so he was able to have a relatively solid night out there at the park, but it was really Trey Turner down for what? Who he was not turning down. In this game, 10th home run of the season is Julio Arias, who won up winning out of his 20 games last season, 13 on the road last season. He was terrific. He gives up just one run over the course of six innings, punching out nine for the Atlanta Braves. Ian Anderson could not match at four runs given up in four innings, including that home run to Turner. From there, the bullpen was solid for the Atlanta Braves. Aaron O'Day, Dylan Lee, they combined for two scoreless settings to call me He gives you three scoreless, but the Dodgers, they also had a good bullpen. Danny Hudson, and Broussard they combined for a scoreless inning as Evan Phillips, Craig Kimber they both come in, and they both give you clean innings as well. The Washington Nationals had a lot of clean innings as they go on the road, and they take down the Walker Texas Rangers by a count of 2-1. to one. For the Rangers, they just weren't able to get to Paulo Espino. Five and a third innings gives up one run. That was a solo home run to Adelise Garcia, his 14th home run season. But that was it, by the way, Adelise Garcia actually having a good stretch run. But from there, Carl Edwards Jr., five outs out of the bullpen, scoreless, Kyle Finnegan, Tanner Rainey, they're able to give you a scoreless setting. And for the Washington Nationals, they go 3 of 10 with men in scoring position. As they did a solid job being able to get to Dennis Santana. Got just one out of the bullpen, giving up a run. Matt Bush was able to give you a scoreless setting. And he's going to be the opener on Saturday. And then you do wind up having Brett Martin give you five outs out of the bullpen. at Zane Dunning, a good start wasted. One run given up over the course of six innings, but offense was not able to back him up. The Baltimore Orioles they had their bullpen really being able to back up Austin Voth as they wind up being able to get a four to one win as Mister Voth gives up one run in three innings and then six scoreless innings out of the bullpen. Ode Lopez, Hino Perez, Brian Baker, Joey Creeble, they all combined for that effort. Ode and Mateo now nineteen stolen bases that leads the American League and for the Baltimore Orioles they go just two of ten with Ben in scoring position, but those stolen bases they were able to add up as they wanted having 5 in total and for the Chicago White Sox Michael Kopech gives up 3 runs over the course of 6 innings Vinny Velo, Vince Velasquez gives up a run in two innings, and Matt Foster, a scoreless inning, but a White Sox offense that scored four plus runs in nine of their last 11 games held silent. They went 0-1 of with Ben in scoring position. They got just one hit in this game. That came off the bat of Jake Berger as the Orioles wind up being able to hold down those bats and being able to hold it down as well. The Cincinnati Reds, they were on to San Francisco, and they get the 4-2 win as for Cincinnati, you did wind up having Mike Busakis get a pair of doubles in this game, and they were the beneficiaries of a pair of errors from the San Francisco Giants as Alex Cobb. His unlucky season continues. He gives up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of four and a third innings. John Brebbia from there gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and the reason why I call Alex Cobb lucky is if you take a look at his ERA currently at 548, his fielding independent is more than two points lower. It's just insane. From there, Jake McGee winds up giving up a run in an inning, doing what he winds up doing best before he wind a game three scoreless innings out of Junior Marte of the Marte Parte, and for the San Francisco Giants, Evan Longoria was able to go deep in this one. Sixth home run season off of Graham Ashcraft, and he did not pitch like Ashcraft as he winds up giving up that home run. Two runs in total over the course of eight innings before Hunter Strickland. He comes in, and he winds up being able to get the save as the Giants are right around north of a $2 favorite, so that was not a good one if you want to take in the money line on that end. The Seattle Mariners, a team that has been having a little bit of a rough time with regards to their bats. They were able to get them awoken just enough to be able to get a 4-3 to win over the LA Angels. As Chris Flexen does wind up giving up three runs over the course of five innings, including home run. That was to Mike Trout, 22nd home run in the season. And he'll figure every run in this game driven in by Trout or Otani as Michael Lorenzen. He winds up throwing 85 pitches in three innings. Gives up just two runs, but had four walks along the way. From there, Oliver Ortega gives up one run in two innings of work as he did wind up allowing home run to Julio Rodriguez. 10th home run season, the Mariners, by the way, win this game despite leaving 16 men on base. You did wind up having Archie Bradley give up a run and an inning as Andrew wants. Along with Aaron Loop, they combined for three scoreless, but for the LA Angels, they wind up getting out hit in this game 10-7. to Bunch of walks in general wound up costing them as for the Seattle Mariners, they wind up winning another one-run game as bullpen was terrific. Ryan Barucchi along with Paul Seawold. Both give you a scoreless inning. And then Eric Swanson, coupled with Andres Munoz, they wind up being able to combine for two scoreless endings of their own. The Kansas City Royals, they hold down the Oakland A's. They wind up being able to get a 3-1 win as for Oakland. The bats just have not been able to wake up for the seam and for the Oakland A's in general. It has been a really, really rough stretch for them as they are now 3-18 and in their last 21 games as Cole Irvin Not a great start, not a terrible start. Gives up three runs in five and a third innings, giving up a pair of homers to Ed Olivares, his first two home runs of the season. Meanwhile, Zach Granke on the flip side, he gives up just one run over the course of six innings. This is an Oakland A's team that, among everyone that wanted getting in at a bat, In this game tonight, nobody left with a batting average above 240. We are currently in late June, ladies and gentlemen. Meanwhile, you do wind up having Dylan Coleman, Jose Kuas, and Scott Barlow for a bottom five bullpen out there in the big leagues. Looked like they were about as dominant as dominant gets all up giving you a scoreless inning and for the Oakland A's. You did wind up having one and two-thirds innings scoreless. Edward Bingo, Acevedo, and then Austin Pruitt was able to give you a scoreless inning as well. And if you're taking a look at the landscape of Major League Baseball, we've really been seeing more overs coming through over the last, we're going to call it 45 or so days as We wind up seeing at one point this year the under 8 be right in that pocket about 60%. Unders wound up having a good day on Friday, but overall we're down to a 51.4% under 8 for the season because we've got 514 Unders. 486 overs. And if you're looking at underdogs for the season, they've had a little bit of a rough go of it. They are currently 419 and 634. But among the 634 favorites that have won this season, they haven't been necessarily doing the world's greatest job of being able to cover the run line. As we've got 164 instances in which the money line favorite has won by approximately one run. So, that has been curious to take a look at it. If you take a look at the last thirty days of Major League Baseball, right around fifty-one and a half percent of games have went over the total. One hundred ninety-eight overs, one hundred eighty-seven unders in that time span. Underdogs hitting at thirty-nine point seven percent. Favorites two forty-three and one sixty. So that's what we're seeing right now in Major League Baseball, and that's what we want to see on Friday. Now let's turn it forward to Saturday. Let's take a look at some k props and just some alternative ways to be able to get a little bit of action in general in baseball. We've invite on mid-major Matt to be able to do that and also talk a little bit of Phillies with him as well. That's coming up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast.
5: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
3: And we're back here lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Great to have on our guest today as Matt Joseph's AK mid-major. Matt does an absolutely terrific job. As a handicapper, taking a look at the game of baseball, obviously with the name of Major Matt, you know that this man does a terrific job when it comes to college basketball season as well. And why I always love being able to get him on the podcast is that this is a man that he takes a look at just so many different avenues to be able to make you some money, whether it be just the basic money line slash run line, you've got your basics there. But on top of that, he looks at first fives, first threes, K-props, Just various ways to be able to find a little bit of an edge in baseball. This guy does a great job just looking at so many ancillary ways to be able to do so. So, always great to be able to pick his brain on this podcast and to be able to follow Matt on Twitter. Easy enough. Mid-major Matt altogether. And, My friend, it's great to have you aboard. Thank you. Always glad to be on. Thank you for having me. Great to have you aboard, and I know you're a man that is a big-time Philadelphia Phillies fan. I know that you do some work out there in the northeast part of the country as well with regards to some radio hosting, and what have you just made out of the Philadelphia Phillies in general these last few weeks ever since the canning of Joe Girardi? Because it has been very intriguing to take a look at it. This is a Phillies team that all of a sudden they seem to be playing with some juice, and we even saw it on Thursday. A guy in Joe Musgrove that nobody had been able to touch all season long they wound up lighting them up.
11: Yeah, I think that's the perfect encapsulation right there between that and then losing two games to to the Texas Rangers and losing the series (laughs) to the Rangers this year because they played back in Philadelphia way back in April. It's a team that's hard to figure out. It's a team that's got four DHs. Well, you can only play one. And the irony is the four DHs are pretty much playing the field because Bryce Harper is the actual DH. He can't play the field. So I think it's a somewhat poorly constructed lineup that features a lot of all or nothing hitters and a bunch of guys who aren't very good in the field but have to play the field because of Bryce Harper. And sometimes it's going to look really good. It's going to look like a softball lineup. They're going to put up a lot of runs. And sometimes they're just not going to score against some of the better pitching. And then their starting pitching is, you know, hit or miss. Zach Eflin's really good at home. He's not very good on the road. Ranger Suarez, that was a really good outing from him, a rare good outing so far this season. Nola's been really good. Wheeler had been really good until that Texas game. So it's a team that's really hard to figure out because you never know what you're going to get on a night to night basis.
3: You never know what you're going to be able to get out of this team I think that that's very well said and you take a look at what they're going to be trotting out there on Saturday it's going to be Zach Eflin which I always make the joke you don't know whether you're going to get Zach Eflin good or Zach Eflin awful but with that said he's going to be out there against Blake Snell and if you want someone that is very unpredictable we're talking about that with the Philadelphia Phillies Blake Snell has been that as well for the San Diego Padres and I think that it's intriguing that you got A close to pick them price. The San Diego Padres in a lot of places right around a minus 115. And I do take a look at that total of 7.5. I don't know if I could trust in either of these guys being able to keep it under. I recognize that the ball doesn't fly out as much in San Diego. But with the way that Blake Snell just puts guys on very cheaply and the way that Eflin doesn't wind up getting swings and misses, I feel like 7.5 might be a little bit too low for this circumstance.
11: I agree with you. The biggest question mark here is Zach Eflin last start only went two innings because they wanted to keep him to 40 pitches. He's had some knee problems. They said that um, his knee is fine. And if he does go, he's not going to have any sort of restrictions. Well, if he's fine, it's kind of odd to refer to it because he's either fine or he's not. If he's not fine, then don't pitch him at all. Don't even go put him out there for two or three innings because your your long relief guys aren't very good. So it, it's a real question mark as to how healthy he is, how long he's going to last in this game. You look at his last two starts, he's given up four runs and five hits in two innings to the Nats and four runs and five hits in six innings at home to the Marlins. As I said, he's a better pitcher at home than he has been on the road. Gave up seven runs in New York against the Mets. Also gave up six runs in New York against the Mets back last month. So he's a guy I just can't back away from home. As you mentioned, Blake Snell is a guy who puts on a lot of runners. The question is, can he get out of the holes that he dug? Uh, He's going to go and he's going to go five, six-ish innings. He's going to throw 100 pitches and then And he's just going to kind of say, all right, you're either going to see like a two run six hit effort or you're going to see like a five run effort because he's allowing the opponents to cash in. I could certainly see the over in this game. The question is, can the Phillies inconsistent lineup, which at times is struggled against lefties, can
3: they put up and make uh, Snell's mistakes hurt? Yep, and can Snell be able to locate as well? Because Snell, in a lot of games, he just winds up knocking himself out because he winds up giving up like four-plus walks as well. So that's always something to factor in with regards to that, as we do wind up having mid-major Matt, a.k.a. Matt Josephs, joining me right here on the podcast. And both from just a handicapping perspective and just a general baseball perspective, it has been historic to see what the New York Yankees have done this season. They're going to be facing off against the Astros. And I do think that this is one and two out there in the American League. I think that we could wind up maybe seeing a team like the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, be able to rise up a little bit later on in the year. But these are clearly the two top teams out there in the American League, in my opinion. And it's going to be Christian Javier and Garrett Cole going at it on Saturday in New York. And I take a look at the Yankees. Currently between a minus 145 to a minus 155 favorite. and Being able to get the Yankees, at below minus 150 at this point has been almost a just play on the number for me at this point. I will never call it an auto bet, but certainly with the Yankees being able to get them on short lines, it has been intriguing to take a look at. I'm not sure how you've been playing the Yankees recently, but I've been really looking back to this scene more and more with just the historic run. And I do think that we could wind up seeing quite a few overs from the Yankees down the stretch as well as so right now we're seeing between eight and eight and a half on the total.
11: Yeah, and this is a team we know that's going to score. Unfortunately, you know, we're not- no longer getting the four and a halfs for their team totals and the runs. It's it's those are long gone. You're getting five and a halfs for the most part in the books because they know obviously the Yankees are killing pretty much everybody. If you like their advantage over uh, a starting pitcher that's not very good, you can even look at like a first five uh, team total over. You're still kind of getting some two and a halfs occasionally there. And and this is a team that obviously is one of the best when it comes to first five innings. The thing you look at here for Javier is he's kind of walking a tightrope here. Over his last four starts, he's got 12 walks. Two of those he had four walks. You know he didn't do well against Seattle at home. He kind of got around some things against Oakland because Oakland's a pathetic lineup. But you have to wonder if the walks are eventually going to hurt him, especially against a Yankee team that's going to take advantage. If uh, the Yankees get two guys on, all of a sudden it becomes a 3 nothing game. So I think Javier is there to be taken advantage of in this matchup. And, of course, Garrett Cole is really good. It's funny because he's either really good or there's one or two starts where he's just really awful and you're almost like, oh, is he off the sticky stuff here? But usually you want to back the Yankees, as you said, at this price. You usually want to back coal at this price. You don't get that opportunity very often.
3: And I know that you're a big K-Prop guy as well. And with the Houston Astros it's hard to take a lot of overs against pitchers that are facing them because you've got a Houston Astros team that over the last four years, they've been in the top two in the big leagues and fewest strikeouts per nine innings of any team out there in baseball. This year, I believe that they're number two to the Cleveland Guardians, but how would you wind up taking a look at this one? Because Cole, obviously, he's been able to do a good job be able to get swings and misses, but this is an Astros lineup that even though they're not generating as many runs as they have in past years, they're still just not striking out. They're putting the ball in play every single time. My guess
11: is that it's going to be a seven and a half number. I usually uh, don't play the top end of the market, and it's a superstar tax, it feels like, because the books know that people who don't do a lot of work with K-Props are just going to take over. So they're like, oh, Garrett Cole, he strikes out a lot of guys. Of course he's going to go over. So they can actually raise the numbers a little bit to make people pay a tax. Uh, I'll say this. While the Astros have not been striking out a lot, they have been against the guys who are aces. Against Shohei Otani, they had nine and 12. Against Gavin Gossman, they had 10. The oddity of Nick Pavetta, they had eight in a game against him, so it's not like they're completely infallible, but yeah, this is going to be a high number, and we'll know early if Cole's on. The Astros predominantly have been an under team so far this season when it's coming up against right-handed starting pitchers in the K-Props, so it's not an automatic over here. It'll be interesting to see the number the books offer.
3: And I'm so glad that you mentioned that with Garrett Cole as well, because in his last five stars, he's given up one under fewer or four of them, I think he gave up seven while getting seven outs against the Minnesota Twins, and you Just here, like, what the heck is this? So, it certainly has been either really, really good or pretty darn bad for Garrett Cole as well. And when it comes to K props, are there any that you might be taking a look at for Saturday? Because we've got a good mixture of pictures. Because Garrett Cole, obviously, he's an ace, he's going to be going. Shane Bieber of the Cleveland Guardians, he's going to be on the mound in that game as well. But You've also got some, shall we say, not aces that are hitting the mound, like a Mike Miner, a Jared Caning, guys like that. So are there any guys that you're going to be looking at either back or fade with regards to their strikeout props?
11: So, you know, obviously when we're doing this, I don't have the numbers. But yeah, you mentioned Caning. Caning faced the Royals last time out, and he's a rookie. I can't imagine he has stuff that obviously the Royals didn't see the first outing. So I'll be interested to see. He went under the number against the Royals the first time, so they may lower it a little bit much. It was around three and a half. If they go to two and a half, that doesn't leave you much room for error. The Red Sox have been a team that have kind of gone under a little bit lately. So we'll see what the number is for Shane Bieber. You know that his off-speed stuff at times has been a bit of a struggle, but then there's times where he looks like the Shane Bieber of old. Uh, Antonio Senzatella is an interesting guy. He is one that I've seen several times get a number of two and a half. He doesn't strike out a lot of batters from time to time, but the Minnesota Twins are prone to two striking out a lot, so I'll be interested to see what the number is there. And then Max Freed against the Dodgers, lefties against the Dodgers have always had some sort of success. Freed's one of those guys, though, that kind of hangs around his number all the time, whether it's four and a half or five and a half. He'll be at five. He'll be at six. And so when you're looking at the K-props, you kind of want to find guys that's going to be either comfortably under or comfortably over. You don't really want to get involved with those guys who are very much snug against the number.
3: And I do think that just taking a look at their Braves versus Dodgers game is going to be intriguing as well because it was looking like we were going to get Andrew Heaney for the Dodgers, and when it was supposed to be Heaney going for the Dodgers, you were finding the Atlanta Braves. Most spots right around a minus 120. This is currently off the board as we wind up doing this because we wind up seeing a last change of pitcher with Mitch White getting the start now for the L.A. Dodgers. And I think that if you wind up getting a similar number, I do think that it's going to be repurposed a little bit. I don't think that you're going to get the Braves once again at minus 120, but I mean, being able to get Max Freed at minus 140 or less in this spot, I think that it's a good look, especially with the way that the Braves' bullpen has been relatively solid this year. And for the L.A. Dodgers, dealing with that injury to Mookie Betts. It's been a lineup that I feel like there's a lot of big names, but other than when they go up against teams like the Cincinnati Reds, I do have their concerns until Betts returning to the fold.
11: I actually think there might potentially be some value with the first five for the Dodgers. I, you know, obviously, look, Freed was awesome in LA back in April, gave up only two hits, struck out eight, no walks in seven innings. So he's really good. But if you look, you know, lately, he's kind of faced a lot of cupcakes. The Giants, a lineup is hot and cold, the Nats, the Pirates, the Rockies, the Marlins. He did have a you know, a good outing against the Phillies, but I mean, he's a guy that's kind of feasted on some poor lineups lately. I think there might be some value now. Mitch White is a guy that has been okay from time to time. You know, he's not a guy that's going to go deep in games for the most part. You know, he's a five-inning guy, Max. Maybe a little bit more if possible. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of number maybe I could get a good lineup in the Dodgers at plus a half a run in that first five innings with Mitch White, who might be able to do a little bit of work on that Braves lineup. It's something I'll potentially be looking at to see, because obviously the Dodgers lineup is is the best in baseball, or one of the best in baseball behind the Yankees, you know, the Phillies when they're going well. You can also, much like we talked about the Yankees, get a number like this for the Dodgers. It might be something where you look at the the first five and kind of isolate Mitch White a little bit here.
3: You either get really good Mitch White, or you get really bad Mitch White. There hasn't been a lot of in-between with him, and just taking a look at the board that we've got for Saturday, is there anything else that you're going to be targeting that we haven't hit on, whether it be just a pitcher that you want to see a little bit more of, or maybe there's a little bit of a proper side that you're going to be trying to get in on? Well,
11: I mean, Trevor Rogers against the Mets. The Mets are a team that has struggled at times against lefties. They've struck out a ton against lefties, 4.28 against left-hand starters. They've gone over in 12 of 19 games. But once again, it's a rematch. They just saw Rogers. He just had five innings, seven strikeouts in New York, which is pretty crazy to think because Rogers hasn't been that good so far this season. But you isolate lefties against the Mets. The one thing I don't like to do though, is I don't like to go against people on rematches especially younger guys. You know, the Mets have just seen everything Rodgers has and, you know, while he did well on the road, it'll be interesting to see if it carries over once again, much like Chris Bassett who was awesome against the, uh, the the Marlins in New York, but now the scene shifts and you see if that stuff can carry over. Kikuchi's been a little bit of an issue for the Blue Jays. He's not going deep in games, but maybe there's a little bit of value once again with the better lineup against the ace pitcher in Corbin Burns who's been really good so far this season. And then Josiah Gray. I mean, I like Josiah Gray. He's been better at home for the Nationals. But of course, the other thing to consider here is he's coming off a lot of pitches in that game against the Phillies last time out. Remember, that was part of a five-game series where the Nats went to the bullpen a ton. And Josiah Gray is coming off a of throw in 117 pitches. So, And without that extra day of rest, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he kind of does things a little bit and see if it affected him at all that he threw all those pitches against
3: the Phillies last Saturday. And it's going to be really curious to see What in the world the Texas Rangers throw out there? Because it was supposed to be Taylor Hearn who got the start. Apparently, we'll see innings in this game, and... I've been fading Taylor Hearn a lot. That has been very profitable, but we just don't know who's gonna be starting for the Texas Rangers. So still a little bit TBD there, but something that I know for sure is that Matt, you're doing absolutely incredible job. And I've been noticing this with your Twitter as well at Mid Major Matt. You've been doing a great job of posting up a lot of batter versus pitcher histories recently as well. So that's a nice little feature that you've been adding as well. But you're a man that you take a look at baseball being able to bet it in a wide variety of ways, being able to find just a lot of advantages in general. So what well, the good people don't know they're able to follow you on social media and everything they've got going on in general.
11: Yeah, I'm at Mid-Major Matt on Twitter. As always, uh, I love uh, answering questions from people. And you're right, at 11 a.m. Eastern time, I always post notable performances. At first, it was only the good ones. Then I decided to add the bad ones for the people who want to take unders instead of overs. And yeah, we're all just trying to beat the books. Looking forward to college football season because uh, the win totals just came out. So my process is just getting underway, kind of digesting all the win totals and finding some value. And then, of course, next month, my articles will start showing up on Athlon with my opinions on every college uh, College football total in America. So we'll see what happens there.
3: Just trying to get through the baseball grind here and uh, get to football coming up in August. Football season is going to be here before you know it. And Matt does a great job on the college football scene. Also, obviously another college sport in college basketball. His namesake is mid-major. Matt always does a great job on that front as well, and always brings the goods right here on the Baseball Betting Show. So, big thanks to Major Matt, aka Matt Joseph, for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the BC Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time to podcast to give you picks fix analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all.
10: I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because didn't it? Ain't it?
5: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
5: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
3: And we're back here lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the VC Family Podcast. Always great to get a handicapper, mid-major Matt, a.k.a. Matt Josephs, on the show. Man does a great job of taking a look at just so many different ways to be able to get down action on baseball, so many ways to be able to get to the window, something that I always love to bring whenever he winds up joining this podcast. He joins me once every few weeks throughout the season, taking a look at things like even first threes, first five, team total first fives, list goes on and on, very many diverse ways to be able to take a look at things. and delivered some great insights today. So a big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all.
7: If a
0: game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them
3: all. Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed, at unit underscore 81, and we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom, so that'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. We do have a couple games that are off the board, so Do be mindful of that, and that includes this first one of 901-902 on the betting board. It is the St. Louis Cardinals, and they are going to be taking on the Chicago Cubs, as Miles Michaelis is going to be getting the start for the Cardinals, and Adrian Sampson is going to be on the bump for the Chicago Cubs. This is a game that is presently off the board, but with that said, I am willing to lay up to a minus 115 on the run line of a run and a half, with the St. Louis Cardinals made them a minus 218 on the money line, and I did mind him saying my dollar at an 8.4, which means at eight or less, I'm gonna be looking at an over 8.5 or higher. I am going to be taking a look at an under with Adrian Sampson. He wound up seeing a few innings last season. I still go back to the 2020 season, though, in which he wound up having like a 5 ERA out there in the KBO. That was not necessarily too terrific. Last year, I had a 280 ERA, making 5 relief appearances and 5 starts. This was really smoke and mirrors, in my opinion. He wound up having 7 strikeouts per 9 innings. His home runs per 9 rate was just below 2. I mean, he did a good job of not giving up a lot of walks, but I and mean, this is a guy that he should not have had a 2.80 ERA. The numbers behind him, the more advanced numbers, shows that he should have had an ERA more than a full point and a half higher than that. So I do think that there's going to be negative regression there. And for Miles Michael, this last time he pitched at home, he very nearly had a no-hitter against the Pittsburgh Pirates. 274 home ERA. 253 road ERA. He's been able to do a solid job keeping the ball in the yard thus far this season giving up .8 home runs per 9 innings, a 1.9 walks per 9 right now. He doesn't get a lot of swings and misses right around 7 strikeouts per 9 innings, but he's been rock solid and it's backed up by a significantly better bullpen. For the St. Louis Cardinals it's a little bit of an above average bullpen. You've had Giovanni Gallegos be able to find it recently for the team. They currently are without TJ McFarlane. That's probably a little bit of a good thing the way that he's pitched this season. Junior Fernandez is able to give you a couple good innings. Genesis Cabrera a Nice long guy, but you do take a look at the lineup of the St. Louis Cardinals as well. And this is a bunch that they are a mashing. As you've got Paul Goldschmidt hitting at 340 with 17 home runs, Nolan Arenado along Tommy Edmond, Nolan Gorman, Juan Yapes. All entered into Friday hitting between a 275 and a 281 with Aaron Auto going deep 14 times. Even past that, someone like Kaderis and Bader being able to give you 15 stolen bases and nearly a 260 batting average. That's been solid. And for the Chicago Cubs, you got guys that are getting on base for this team as well. Nico Horner, Ian they're in between about a 282, 290. Wilson Contreras. Along with Chris Formentel, are hitting more in that pocket of a 265 with Contreras, 12 home runs. Patrick Wisdom does have 14 home runs. He's also on pace to strike out more than 200 times this season. But on the lineup, guys like a Jason Award, Alfonso Rivas, they have not necessarily been great this year. David Bodie, just coming back up to the big leagues yesterday as well for the Cubs. This is a bullpen that's in the bottom three in the big leagues in terms of ERA. Michael Givens, Scott Efris, Rowan Wick, all these guys the last I'm going to call it five weeks have been awful. David Robertson as still been able to give you right around 2 a ERA, but he's really the only guy that's able to give you good innings, and he's more of a one ending guy, so it's going to prove to be a little bit of an issue. I do think that the St. Louis Cardinals should be a sizable favorite here, so wound up saying them a minus 116, laying a run and a half, minus 218 on the money line, and 8 or less looking over 8 and a half or higher to the under. 903, 904 on the betting board, the Miami Marlins are going to be playing against to the New York Metropolitan. Says Chris Bassett as the hook, line, and sinker for the Mets, and Trevor Rogers is going to be on the bump for Miami. Miami is finding themselves as an underdog between plus 125 and plus 135, minus 140 to minus 145 is your price on the Metropolitans. Eight is your total under. Is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is between even and minus 110 and. With Mr. Rogers and company, I need at least a plus 132 to be able to take a shot on the Miami Merlins. Seeing the plus 135, we have been able to get there, so we're going to be looking to ride with the Miami Merlins now. It has been a rough year for Trevor Rogers, but it's also been a little bit of a rough year for Chris Bassett. Now, what I will say about Mr. Bassett is that the last few starts have been a little bit better for him. Give it up a combined three earned run in his, in his last two starts, but when I started against the Miami Marlins, he did wind up allowing three runs in six and a third innings. He has been giving up the deep ball a little bit more this season as he's allowing on a per nine basis, right around 1.2-ish home runs per nine innings. Still getting swings and misses right around 10 punch outs and innings, but take a look at it, and opponents are in 30 points higher off of him on the road rather than at home, and he's got a 546 road ERA compared to a 316 home ERA. Meanwhile, for Trevor Rogers, he's actually always been a little bit of a better pitcher on the road, and I've got to feel like there's going to be positive progression with regards to his 885 ERA. It just really doesn't add up. His swing and miss stuff is down from past years. Last year, it was right around tennis strikeouts per 9 innings. You take a look at what he's been able to do this year, and been a little bit of a far cry from that as his strikeouts per nine rate, it's hovering more in the pocket of about eight, so and it's something that's not necessarily too terrific and he's backed up by, let's call it what it is, a really bad bullpen as you wound up having Lewis head, I'm not even kidding here, enter into the month with a 1-1-2 ERA. Now it's north of a six, so that has been terrible. You've had Anthony Bass be able to do a solid job. Even guys like a Tanner Scott Cole-Solzer who they wound up picking up in the Orioles has not been too terrific, but still. You do have a guy with Rogers who is fielding independent as a four. 91 compared to a 583 ERA that indicates that he's been getting a little bit unlucky in the Mets. not like they necessarily have a world leader bullpen of their own. Edwin Diaz has been able to do a very solid job, but you also do have Joey Rodriguez who's been giving up some runs. Seth Lugo is currently dealing with a little bit of an injury as well, and you do take a look at this Mets lineup, and that's really been the forte of this team. On any given night, you could wind up having the Mets have Eduardo Escobar with a 231 average and having it for a cycle a few weeks ago be the worst guy with regards to batting average. Francisco Lindor is one of the weak links, that he's. He's got 53 RBI and 12 home runs as far this season. It's been absolutely incredible. As we got guys like Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte hitting between about a 265 to a 275, Peter Blonzo. He led the big leagues in home runs on the road last season. He's got 20 this campaign. He's hitting a 280. Marcana's been able to get on base. And for the Miami Rollins, Asus Aguiar and Asus Sanchez who were dealing with some injuries, they're not back to the full, but Sanchez. Avisio Garcia, you're able to throw in there. Even someone like Aure Solaire, Luke Williams, these guys are only between about a 215. To a 230. Garrett Cooper has been able to get on base, hitting above a 300, Jazz Shislam, double digit amount of homers. He's got right around 325 on base, but I do think that this is going to be a situation which, with a pair of struggling pitchers, I do think that being at home is going to help out Trevor Rogers just a little bit in this spot. And I do think that both of these guys give up some runs. So my total of 8.1, so at the 8, looking over, and with the Marlins, anything north of plus 132, willing to take a shot there. 905, 906 on the main board. The Cincinnati Reds, yes, we are on the Cincinnati, and they're onto the road. They are going to be facing off against the San Francisco Giants as the Logan Webb is going to be going for the Giants and Mike Miner hopes to not be a major disappointment for Cincinnati. Your total on this game, it is 7.5. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 125. The under, it is anywhere between plus 105 and minus 110. If you're taking a look at Cincinnati, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 185 and plus $2. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Giants, that is going to be anywhere between minus 215 and minus 235. And with the San Francisco Giants, in terms of the money line, I set them a minus 224. But if you're looking at the run line, I'm going to lay up to a minus one twenty there. You're find that any between a minus one oh five to a minus one ten. I see a bigger edge on the run line, so I'm going to be willing to lay the run and half, and a big reason why is just because Mike Minor, ever since he wound up getting recalled to the big leagues after making a few rehab appearances at the minor league level to be able to ramp up, he's not been good, and it's not like he was great last year. While he was with the Kansas City Royals, he had north of a 5 ERA. He's given up more than a home run and half for 9 innings, and I think that he's not going to continue to give up more than 3 home runs for 9 innings like he is right now, but boy, it's not been going great. The lone starter in which he's only given up three runs, he failed to make it five full innings, so it's not necessarily too tremendous there. He gets okay swing and miss stuff, right around eight strikeouts per nine innings, but I mean, man, I don't see too many redeeming qualities there, and for Logan Webb, the San Francisco Giants, the last 19 times he's pitched at home, they are 18-1, and so they have been very good whenever Logan Webb has been able to pitch at home, and for Logan Webb, you take a look at recent starts, and He's allowed a lot of combined three earned runs in his last three starts. He's kept the ball in the yard, giving up one home run, over his last four starts, giving up six walks over the course of his last four starts. Swing and miss stuff is starting to come back as he's only getting right around about eight of strikeouts per nine innings, but he's always been better at home than on the road. 274 home area, 377 road area, with all of his six home runs given up being on the road. And for the San Francisco Giants, despite the fact that it's a very pitcher-friendly ballpark, they've been able to do a good job of being able to generate right around five runs per game at home. Even though you only have one double-digit home run guy and Jock Peterson with 16, you've got a lot of other guys. You've got Peterson, yeah. <laughs> Lawrence awesome wins, Tommy Lascella, Thario Strada, Austin Slater, only in between about a 262 a 270, Luis Gonzalez. As we to above a 3 air Mikey he's got a 355 on base. Now, the Giants' bullpen has been a little bit of a worry spot this season after they were so good last season. We have seen a little bit of slippage here. Camille Duvall, Jalen Garcia, they have been nails, but Jake McGee blew that game against the Braves a couple days ago. He's got north of a 6-ERA. Tyler Rogers has really been able to pick it up recently. The 496-ERA, now representative of how he's pitched recently. 230 ERA over the last 30 days, so he's been able to find a John He has been able to do a solid job, and for the Cincinnati Reds, you've got the dead last worst bullpen out there in the big leagues in terms of ERA. There's really nobody that you can trust in right now with Alexis Diaz. Currently on the injured list. Joel Kuhnol gives you right around a 4-ish ERA. I mean, Ross Dettweiler might be your most trustworthy guy, and he's about 500 billion years old, so it's not too terrific. You do have some firepower when it comes to the lineup for the Reds, but they bat right around a 260 at home, sub-220 on the road. It's one of the biggest home in the road splits. You're able to find it all. Baseball, Brandon Drury sitting at 260 with 15-plus home runs. Tommy Pham, though, he was the only guy in the starting lineup yesterday with more than five home runs. That tells you the ailments. And this team has been going through fam, hitting right around two fifty-five, I will say, for Joey Votto, that's coming out the COVID IL. north of a three fifty on base. So he's been able to do a solid job there. Kyle Farmer, Albert Tomara Jr., they're both hitting at two eighty-five Jots India being back the full. That does wind up helping out as well. So, I did wind up setting this total a little bit higher. semi my total at 8.3, especially with the Reds bullpen being as terrible as it is. So, I'm going to be taking a look at the over to go along with the Giants on the run line. I think that they're going to be able to keep it up with Logan Webb, 907, 908 on the banging board. The Atlanta Braves are going to be playing us to the LA Dodgers. Andrew Keeney is going to be going for the Dodgers. And Mad Max Fried is going to be on the bump. For Atlanta. And as I'm doing this podcast, it wound up just going from Andrew Heaney being the starter for the LA Dodgers to Mitch White being the starter for the LA Dodgers. And with the Dodgers versus Braves game, what it was supposed to be Andrew Heaney getting the start, Braves were finding themselves at a minus 120 anywhere between even money and plus 110 on the Dodgers with a total of 8.5 over minus 120 and the under at even. I personally want to make this a minus 144 when it was supposed to be Heaney. I want to make it an 11 cent difference with Mitch White. I'm now up to a minus 155 with the Atlanta Braves. I do recognize that this is a Dodgers team that they've got a good bullpen by Mitch White, and it could be a situation in which Mitch White winds up being a little bit of an opener. And and then you wind up seeing Andrew Heaney follow him, but I just have no faith whatsoever in Mitch White whatsoever, I mean, he just has not been good this far this season, and I mean, with Mitch White, he had a couple moments of brightness last season, but season... He's made 9 total appearances, 4 starts, nearly a 4-ish ERA, and just a guy that he doesn't wind up giving you a whole lot of just confidence in general because his walks per 9 rate is hovering right around a 3-ish. He does wind up doing a solid job of not giving up a lot of hard contact as opponents are only about a 200 off of him, but you go back to the 2021 season so that way you're able to get a full representative picture because he's only pitched about 30 innings thus far this season, but I mean, he's been giving up a home runs per 9 rate right around a 1-and-a-half. is a little bit of an issue. He's actually able to give you some decent swing and miss stuff but on the road over the last two seasons right around a 4-ish ERA and then if you do wind up getting Heaney out there as well this is going to be I believe his fourth overall appearance this season and it would be his second appearance since coming off of the injured list and it is one of those situations in which he was spending quite a bit of time on the injured list. He might be going back to the injured list so I'm sort of thinking if we do wind up seeing Heaney here it's not going to be for very long but I'm anticipating this to be a Mitch White and bullpen game and when it comes to this LA Dodgers bullpen. It is a case which the bullpen has necessarily been do great with regards to the big name guys. You've got Craig Kimbrell posting up north of a 4 ERA. Broussarder Griderall, 375 ERA. Danny Hudson has been able to do a relatively solid job. Not even like trying out there. That's been tough. It's been really more the guys like Yancey Almonte have been able to step up. sub so, 2 ERA for him, Evan Phillips. He's been able to post up a 2 h ERA. Alex Vasilla right around a 3-3. So the lesser guys have been able to do a solid job. And for the LA Dodgers, you do have some struggling bats in the lineup as it's been a case where you just have not been able to get anything whatsoever out of Justin Turner along with Cody Bellinger. Both of these guys hitting a 220 or lower Bellinger ever since he won a winning MVP. It's just not been himself. And Max Muncie. 176 at bats going into yesterday. Hitting a buck 70. That's just unacceptable. Now, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, both of these guys are hanging above a error. But you saw Mookie Betts out of the fold. Gavin Lux to be able to get on base along with Chris Taylor. Taylor hitting a 250 bucks at 285. But the Atlanta Braves has say. Uh, fearsome foursome in the middle of their lineup as Matt Olson, Marcel, Ozuna, Dansby, Swanson, Austin, Riley, all have been able to give you least at least 10 home runs. You got Swanson hitting above a three-iron, double-digit amount of stolen bases, Ronald Cunha Jr., 275 batting average, along with William Contreras, and for William Contreras, he's getting a home run every about 13 or so at-bats. If it does wind up being Travis no at the catcher spot, he's got a double-digit amount of home runs. He's been able to get on base as well, and then Orlando, Arcea, Michael Harris is second. At the bottom of the fourth, they're both hitting above a three-iron for the Atlanta race. They've actually got a better bullpen right now than the The Dodgers. Now, Kenley Jansen does a great job of being able to blow run lines, but with that said, he's still got right around three issue or eight only ever since he's come out to the big leagues. He has been absolutely tremendous. A 0.68 ERA for Dylan Lee, Jackson Stevens. He's been slipping up the last three days north of a 5 ERA. That has been a little bit of an issue. Darren O'Day, Will Smith, not necessarily too terrific there, but Jesse Chavez, he's able to give you a little bit of long relief. So, in Freed versus Mitch White, I'm going to lay up to a minus 155 here with the Atlanta Braves. And I do wind up setting my total a little bit lower. This is a Dodgers bullpen that they're still in the top 10 in terms of bullpen ERA. Braves have been able to do a nice job of holding down the 49. You've got a couple of struggling Dodgers bats as well. So, 7.5 or less. Looking over eight or higher, which I anticipate getting. Going to be taking a look at an under. Now we go to the DK Nation pick of 909910 on the betting board as it is the Slam Diego Padres, and they're going to be playing us to the Philadelphia Phillies. Zach Eflin hopes to not be Eflin awful for the Phillies, and you've got Blake Snell on the bump for the Padres. The Padres are finding themselves as a very slight favorite. You're going to be getting them anywhere between a minus 115 to a minus 120. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Phillies, it's anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. 7.5 is your total over and under, both at minus 110, and the DK Nation pick is going to be on the total. my total a little bit north of 8. I'm going to be taking a look at and over with Blake Snell. There's just no trusting in this guy right now because he has no command whatsoever. He is giving up more than five. Walks per nine innings, 546 ERA. The swing and miss stuff is still there with him. He's able to give you 10 and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but he's not able to go deep into games because he's just giving out all these free passes. He has went fewer than five innings and now three out of his last five starts. So that's is an issue for this team. And then you take a look at Zach Eflin and on the road, he's been Eflin awful as He's got a buck ninety five home ERA, a seven ninety six road ERA, and six road starts thus far this season, Opponents opponent starting at 3 off of him, and that's compared to seventy three at home. Now, there's going to be some positive progression on the road, negative regression at home, but still, it has been clearly a much different pitcher when he's been away from Philadelphia. To the credit of Eflin, right around two walks per nine innings, but he only gets you right around seven strikeouts per nine innings, and it's not like he's backed up by some sort of a terrific bullpen of the Philadelphia Phillies. He's been below average thus far this season. Counter Brogdon has been able to do a solid Job along, Sir Anthony Dominguez. You've got right hand and Corey canable We've been a little bit up and down, especially with canable but hand he's been relatively solid. But when you wind up getting guys like a Nick Nelson injured, such familiar out there, you're really rolling the dice. And for the San Diego Padres, it's been a bullpen that has been towards the top half of the league in terms of ERA, but they don't necessarily blow you away. Taylor Rogers has made able to do a very solid job as the closer of this team. Sub three ERA, twenty one saves going into Friday. So. You do like to see that Craig Salmon along with Steven Wilson. They've been a little bit better recently. And about Christmas, is able to give you multiple innings. Luis Garcia tends to be a little bit up and down, though. And when it comes to San Diego Padres, they have been without Manny Machado for quite a while. That, no doubt, why is burning this team quite a bit. But even without him, you still have guys that are able to get on base. As Drake Coronenworth along to Profar. Jose Azucar. All these guys are in between about a 250 to a 260. Eric Cosmer, he's been able to hit just below a 290. Nomazhar is sitting right around a 300 as well. Not necessarily a ton of power, but Jake Cronenworth, he's been able to give you three home runs over the last three weeks. And then for the Philadelphia Phillies, Kyle Schwarber has 20 bombs as far as the season. 340 on base for him. Bryce Harper, 15 home runs. He's been hitting at 325 and. Got a lot of guys hanging in that pocket of, I'll call it about a 240 to a 255. Alec Boehm, Yohan Camargo, JT Riumuto, Nick Reese Hoskins, and Hoskins. He's been hanging right around 300 over the last 30 days as well. I do think that the Phillies are going to be able to get to Blake's own, get into that bullpen, and I think that Eflin, Going to be giving up some runs to the San Diego Padres as well. So the DK Nation pick is going to be on the over. And with the Padres, do wind up saying them a minus 127. I do trust in their bullpen a little bit more. I do feel like this team is starting to find their way without Mr. Manny Machado. So I'm looking at the Padres on the money line. The DK Nation pick going to be on the over. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. The Houston Astros, they are going to be in the road face off against the New York Yankees. As Garrett Cole is going to be going for the Yankees. And one Christian Aviere is going to be on the bump. For the Astros, the Astros are finding themselves in between plus 132 and seeing as high as a plus 144 on them. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Yankees, find them as low as a minus 142, as high as a minus 160, with your total on this game, 8 to 8.5. On the 8.5, under is minus 120, the over is even. On the 8, flip it, over is minus 120, and the under is even. I needed at least a plus 148 to be able to take a shot here on the Houston Astros, and we are a little bit of a ways away there. If you're taking a look at the run line right now of the New York Yankees, You're going to be finding it anywhere in the pocket of about a plus 135 to a plus 140. So at current numbers, I'd be looking at a plus 140 run line with the New York Yankees. Now, I personally am going to be taking a look at this thing overnight. The Yankees have been getting a ton of steam. If this winds up getting to a case in which you're able to find the Houston Astros up at like a plus 148, or heck, I mean, if you wind up getting the Yankees on a relatively solid money line, like I was seeing a little bit earlier, closer to more like minus 145 on the open, I'd be willing to lay that Yankees money line as well. So, I'm going to be gauging late night line movement as with a Yankees minus 145 money line, I'd be willing to take a shot there, plus 140 on the run line as well. So right now, I'm targeting some sort of a Yankees bet. I'm just deciding whether or not it's going to be money line or run line. As Garrett Cole has been able to do a relatively solid job for the Yankees ever since he wound up getting off to a relatively rough start this season to say the least. That Detroit Tigers start where he didn't wind up giving two full innings. That was not necessarily too terrific, but down the stretch, he has given up one run or fewer in four of his last five starts. And he did wind up having a start where he got destroyed against the Minnesota Twins, but you take a look at Garrett Cole at Yankee Stadium. 247 home ERA, 393 road ERA. He has been giving up the deep ball a little bit. Five home runs give it up in 43 and two-thirds innings, but you could. Certainly live with that. Walks per nine rate. Overall this season, right around about a 2.3 and he's getting K's. A little bit over 11 punch-outs per 9 innings. So he does wind up going up against the Houston Astros lineup that is one of the best at not striking out in the big leagues. And both of these bullpens have been lights out. They are both in the top 3 in the big leagues in terms of ERA. Now, Ryan Presley wound up letting down the Houston Astros a couple nights ago, but he has been relatively solid this year. Ryan Sanic has a sub-1 ERA. Rafael Montero has a sub-2 ERA. Brian Abreu has been able to give you solid innings. And for the New York Yankees, Ron Maranaccio has been able to do a good job for the this team. You've got Lucas Lutke all of a sudden being able to lower his ERA. It was a very bad start to him for the year. Now he's been able to get back to right around 3-5 ERA. Wandi Peralta has been giving up a few runs recently, but he's been good. Clay Holmes, sub one ERA of his own, and then for Christian Javier. Swing him his stuff It is there with him. He has been able to give you right around 11 punch outs per nine innings. The one fear that you have with him, though, right around four walks per nine innings. And on the road, 463 road ERA, buck 95 home ERA, which is why I did wind up saying a little bit of a bigger differential in this game if... Javier would be able to lend an extra inning or so because he does wind up jacking up his pitch count a little bit too much with those walks. I would be willing to get behind him a little bit more, and this is just a Yankees team that they're so special. Going into Friday, a 52-18 record. You've got Aaron Judge leading the league in home runs, and Anthony Rizzo as 19, so as a collective, 46 entering into what we wind up seeing on Friday, and then got a lot of guys like Giancarlo Stanton, Glaber Torres, DJ LeMahieu giving you a really good on-base percentage. Heck, Aaron X, you wound up being a little bit of a hero for the team on Thursday. The bunch of blind Aaron X, Isaiah and Erfalefa, He's hitting at 270 for this team. So you've got all sorts of power there. And for the Houston Astros, so have Jordan Alvarez, 20-plus home runs, 400 on base. Jose Altuve along with Kyle Tucker. Both of these guys have been able to give you 12-plus home runs. Altuve is hitting right around 275 for this team. Michael Brantley, 375 on base. Alex Bregman only hitting right around 235, but his on base has been there. He and Kyle Tucker both right around at 355 with that regard. The big concern they have with this team is the guys at the bottom because the entire catcher spot, LMND, CS, the only girl Yale, they're hitting at 220 or lower. So I do lean to the New York Yankees in this spot. I'm wanting to be able to get more around a minus 140 to a minus 145-ish money line. I'm fearing that that might not wind up being a possibility with the way that the Yankees have been playing, so that might lead to me being on more of a plus 140 run line, but going to be looking, if at all possible, to be able to get a money line, try to not mess with this game landing on multiple runs because it is a case in which I did want to my total in the middle as well. Looking at an 8 over personally and with the Yankees at a minus 148 or less in on their money line. 913, 914 on the bang board. The Baltimore Orioles on the road facing off against the Chicago White Sox as Lance Lynn is going to be going for the Chicago White Sox and a little bit of a switcheroonie here as we were thinking that we were going to be getting Kyle Bradish yesterday. With him being moved back a day, this is a game that is currently off the board. And if it does wind up being Bradish versus Lynn, because we could wind up seeing a couple more changes with regards to this one. But with Bradish versus Lynn, I did wind up saying the White Sox at a minus 163 and made my total a 9.1 to where a 9 or less would be taking a look at an over 9.5 or higher to the under now. It looks like there's a good possibility that we could wind up getting a young guy, wind up getting set up to the big leagues as well, because Bradish looks like he might wind up hitting the IL slash Might wind up getting designated to assignment a little bit lower down, sent to the minor league. So there's a lot of possibilities there. But we do know that we're going to be getting Lance Lynn. For the Chicago White Sox and he's only been able to make two starts thus far this season. He didn't look good when he was rehabbing, and he hasn't looked good thus far this season. Nine in the third innings, giving up eight runs, six of which were earned. Command is up and bad. He's only given up two walks. Swing and miss stuff, it's okay. But you tell that he needs a little bit more ramping up. It's not necessarily going too terrific there. And this is a Chicago White Sox team that they don't back him up with a very good bullpen, especially with Liam Hendricks currently on the injured list. Joe Kelly has been a mess. He's got north of a 9 ERA. I love what I, you've been able to see out of Kendall Grayman right around 235 ERA. Honestly, I think that he himself. He's one of the better closers out there in the game, but Jose Ruiz has right around a 5 ERA. Tanner Banks is on it, C so he's been too terrific. Matt Foster has been up and down, posting up north of a 5 ERA. And for the Baltimore Orioles, if they do have a forte, it really is their bullpen, as you've got pretty much five or six different guys that are posting up a sub-2 ERA for this team. CNL Perez, Nick Vespi. Throw in there Felix Bautista, Dylan Tate has been able to do so as well. Keegan Aiken has been able to give you more like a 2.5 ERA as a little bit of a longer guy for this team. Whenever he's been out there as well, you've been able to have Joey Creeble be able to give you right around 2.65 ERA. So you've got a lot of guys that have been able to do a nice job. Holding down the fourth. And if it were to be a bullpen game for the Orioles, I do recognize that they pretty much had to use one yesterday with Austin. and Volt wind up going. I would honestly be willing to set them at less than the plus one sixty-three that I had with Kyle Bradish. I actually have more faith in the bullpen. Then in Bradish, I'd probably be setting this more around a minus 150-ish on the White Sox. And with the White Sox, they've been able to get going with their offense. You've been able to have them score four-plus runs in eight other last ten games. Now, you didn't have a single guy with a double-digit amount of homers in the starting lineup yesterday. But you certainly have had guys starting to get on base for this team as Luis Robert is hitting a 300, Andrew Vaughn and Tim Anderson both hitting above a 325, And then that's that. Jose Abreu, AJ Pollock, they're both hitting above 300 over the last 30 days. Jake Berger, he's been giving you a home run every 20 or so at bats. He's hitting at 260. And then for the Baltimore Orioles, you do have a trio of guys, in Ryan Mountcastle, Austin the Saved Kid, Anthony Santander, who've all been able to give you 10 to 13 home runs with Hayes Mountcastle throwing their trade boom Mancini, throwing between a 280 to a 290. Santander, he's hitting more around at 245 along with Cedric Mullins. Now, the bottom of the lineup, guys like Tyler Nevin, Orde or- Mateo, Richie Martin, they have not been able to do a great job with regards to batting average, but for Mateo, very good plus defender, a guy that's able to give you stolen bases. So, this is a case in which if it does wind up being a bullpen game against the Orioles, it does not look like we're going to be getting Bradish in this spot. I'd be setting the White Sox more around about a minus 150-ish in this spot, and with regards to the total, it would be a case in which with the bullpen, I'd be willing to go 8.5 or less to the over, a 9 or higher to the under rather than if it would have been Bradish, I would have been setting it more like at a 9 Or higher, I'd be taking a look at it over. So, do note that, but that's right now where we're taking a look at very fluid situation. So, hopefully, we wind up getting more answers in the AM 915, 916 on the bang board. The Oakland A's are going to be on the road, facing off against the Kansas City Royals. As Brad Keller is going to be going for the Royals, and Jared Koenig is going to be on the move for Oakland. Oakland is finding themselves as a favorite of any between minus 146 and minus 158. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the A's, it's a between plus 130 and plus 148. Nine and a half is your total, seeing a straight nine out there as well on the Nine overs minus for twenty. The under on the nine and a half unders anywhere between minus one ten and minus for twenty. overs anywhere between even a minus one ten. And when it comes to gaining a company, I want up setting the A's at a plus one seventy one. I'm going to be taking a look at Kansas City in some form or fashion. If you're taking a look at that Kansas City Royals run line, you're finding it at a plus one thirty. I would rather lay the run and half with a Royals run line because they've actually been able to heat up a little bit more on offense. And this is an A's bunch that at the beginning of the season, they were actually doing a good job with their bullpen. It has went straight down the toilet bowl recently, though. Danny Jimenez, who wanted to begin the season with a sub-2 ERA for 45 or so days of the season. He's now got north of a four ERA. Sam Maul, Alonthe, AJ Puck, have both been able to do a good job out there in the bullpen. Both of these guys have an ERA that is sub-2. But I you pass that, Adam Allen or someone that you can't trust in Kirby Snead, he's got north of an RA. Lou Trevino has been a hot mess. And then with Jerry Koenig, he has come up from the Las Vegas Aviators. I will say his last start was actually very good against the Royals. Five and two-thirds hanging scoreless, but the Royals, second time around, I do think that they're going to be able to get to him in, in that start against the Royals. You do wind up walking for first two starts. You wind up having north of a nine-year aim for Brad Keller. He has been on his game at home. The 2-8 record is not terrific, but 373-0, Mary, Four ninety-eight Rodieri, he's given up right around a home run per nine innings with his walks being way down this season for killer. He's given up right around about two point eight to two point nine walks per nine innings. That is significantly better than his career numbers. Now, the Royals, they don't bag him up with a great bullpen either. The Royals are in the bottom five in the big leagues in terms of bullpen era, but Scott Barlow has not been the reason to blame. He has been posting up a sub-2 ERA all season long. Josh Jemount has been a little bit touch and go, but he's got a sub-3 ERA over his last three days. Amir Garrett has been terrible. Taylor Clark has been terrible, but Jose kuas he's got a sub-3 ERA of his own, and then you take a look at the Kansas City Royals lineup, and you got Bobby Wood Jr. all of a sudden being able to find it a little bit more enters into the weekend with a double-digit amount of homers, And you take a look at what he's been able to do over the last 30 days. He's been hitting more around 8.270 with 18 RBI, So that is encouraging. Salvador Perez has been a little bit in and out of the full, But I'm Jay Melendez is understudies studies, maybe right around 235 under Dozier along with Michael A. Taylor. They're in between about a 255 to a 270. Carlos Santana after he had a terrible start to the season. He's been starting to pick it up a little bit. Andrew Benatendi is hitting a 300. It's been a lost season thus far for Whitmerfield, but certainly the Oakland A's are not providing anything more on offense as among all guys with at least 35 at-bats Entering into yesterday, you didn't have a single guy hitting above a 245. I mean, that's just absolutely terrible. You don't have a single guy who's been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers either. Seth Brown and Sean Murphy—they've got to combine 17 home runs between the two of them. But both of them are hitting right around 215. Elvis Andrews is hitting at 215. Sheldon Noisy, after a good start to the year, he has been ice cold. Tony Kemp—he's got one more home run than myself in 217 at bats while hitting at 225. This is an Oakland A's team that they just can't generate any offense whatsoever. Even if the Kansas City Royals score like four runs, they've got a chance to be able to. Cover the run line because the Oakland A's you don't have faith in their offense whatsoever. I set my total at an eight. I am going to be taking a look at the under in this spot. And with the Royals, I do think that they're going to be able to win this game by multiple runs against an Oakland A's team that they legitimately, at 23 and 48, currently have the worst record out there in the big league. So, taking a look at the Royals on the run line, and I'm going to be taking a look at this little under 917, 918. On the betting board, you've got the Boston Red Sox, they're in the road, they're facing off against the Cleveland Guardians. Shane Bieber is going to be looking to make believers out of all of us as he winds up going for Cleveland. And you've got Josh Winkowski, who's going to be on the bump. For Boston, 8.5 is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even a minus 110. And for Cleveland, it's anywhere between minus 145 and minus 155. Meanwhile, between plus 130 and plus 145 is going to be your price on Boston. And when it comes to the Guardians, on the money line, I was willing to lay up to a minus 146. So that minus 145 would be the max. If you're taking a look at the run line, you're finding that right around a plus 125. And this is a case in which I'm willing to lay up to that minus 145. With Cleveland. If worse comes to worse, I would honestly rather take a run and F with Boston, if it winds up being more around about a minus 140 or so. Right now, I'm seeing a minus 145, so right now, the only play I would be able to have on either side would be the Guardians on the money line on that minus 145, but I think that that run line is a little bit out of whack, because I do think that this is going to be a lower scoring game. I did want up saying that Soto at a 7.7. I mean, they call him Josh Winkowski and not Josh Luzkowski for a reason. He's been able to do a solid job in three starts. He's won 14 and two-thirds he's giving up just one home run. His walks for nine rate is right around a three. Not necessarily a lot Swinging swing and miss stuff, but I like the way that he's been able to come up. He's going to be a guy that is going to be able to hold down the fort, and he's going up against the Cleveland Guardians team that when it comes to home runs per game at home, they're in the bottom five in the big leagues. They have been able to generate a lot more power on the road rather than in the city of Cleveland. Now, Jose Ramirez has been absolutely terrific, and if you're holding a AL MVP vote right now, he's got to be towards the top of the list. He's been able to give this team north of 60 RBI. He's hitting a 300, and the guys behind him have been able to find a way to be able to get on bases. Andre Jimenez, Josh Naylor, Oscar Gagan, Gons- Saw Steven Kwan all between a 345 and a 365 on base, even someone like a Richie Poliseros has been able to do a solid job and be able to get on it as well. But with Boston, you've got a trio of guys. J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, all hitting at least a 320 for this team. Jaron Duran has come up to the big leagues; he's hitting right around 285. Need a little bit more out of guys like Jackie Bradley Jr., Franchi Cordero, Trevor Story, between about a 220 to a 230. But Mister Rafael Devers entering into Friday, how about his 16 home runs? He's been able to do a solid job. And for the Boston Red Sox, the bullpen, after it was very shaky at the beginning of the season, it all of a sudden has become a little bit more of a strength for the team. Matt So Robles, since coming off the injured list, has not been great, but John Schreiber has been able to give you a sub-1 ERA. Matt Sarand was completely lost to begin the season. Now, over the last three days, it has not been going well from north of an ADRA, but he has been able to find it a little bit more in, I would say, the last three or so weeks. Tyler Danish has been able to give you some good anything for the Cleveland Guardians. Emmanuel Clause has been one of the best lights-out closers out there in the big leagues. You've been able to have Nick Sandlin. what he's been out there, being able to do a solid job, he unfortunately is on the injured list for this team. Aniel Santos has been used up quite frequently for this team, so that is a little bit of an issue when it comes to this punch as well, but you still been able to have Trevor Steven come out there, be able to give you a couple solid innings. So I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game. And for Shane Bieber, I think that news of his demise was a little bit overblown at the beginning part of the season. He has been able to do a good job this year, even though it's when you miss stuff, we're going to call it what it is. It's not quite what it once was, but he's still getting 10 strikeouts for nine innings. He's allowing about 0.7 to 0.8 home runs. Per nine is walks per nine right between two and 2.1. So he's been able to do a solid job. So I do think that the Guardians should be a relatively sizable favorite here. I'm going to lay up to a minus 145 with regards to their money line, and when it comes to total, set it at a 7.7, so I'm going to be looking at an under as well. 919, 920 on the banging board. The Seattle Mariners they go on the road face off against the LA Angels. Patrick Sandoval is going to be going for the Angels, and Logan Gilbert down the bump for the Mariners. The M's are finding themselves as a bit of an underdog. Anywhere between plus 103 and plus 115. Meanwhile, with LA, it's anywhere between minus 113 and minus 125. It is your total. under anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 110 and when it comes to Sandoval and company, I did not mind saying the Angels at a minus 128, so I'm going to be willing to lay the lumber there, and I did want to make it my total a 7.7 as well. We've got two very good young up-and-coming pitchers in this game, as Logan Gilbert and Patrick Sandoval. Both are posting up an ERA of a 270 or greater. Sandoval has been able to do a better job of keeping the ball in the yard. Two home runs given up in 60 innings, but his walks per nine rate hovers right around four. For Gilbert, more around 2.4 walks. For nine innings, he's been giving up more around .7 home runs for nine innings. So. Both of these guys have strengths and weaknesses. Both of these guys do give you right around 9 strikeouts per 9 innings. You take a look at what Sandoval has been able to do in Los Angeles this season and he's actually got a little bit of a worse home area than a road ERA. 3 home area, 233 ERA on the road regardless. So he's always been able to do a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. And then you take a look at Logan Gilbert. And this is a man that with regards to his road ERA, it is dead equal to his home ERA. 228 road ERA, 227 home ERA. So he has been masterful wherever he has been. And for Seattle, they do wind up backing up up Logan Gilbert with a few guys that are able to get on base. Now, Ty Francis has been dealing with a little bit of an injury. He was out yesterday. We were talking with Curtis Rogers about this, who does a great job over there at 710 Seattle Sports. Probably going to be out of the fold once again today as well. But JP Crawford, Julio Rodriguez, these guys are in between about a 270 to a 280. Now, and they go look at Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez, who want it coming over from Cincinnati. They're both hitting a 225 or lower, but Suarez more around 8315 on base, 13 home runs. Only guy in the starting lineup yesterday with a double digit amount of bombs. You need more out of guys like Justin Upton, Dylan Moore, Cal Raleigh and company. And for the Angels, you do have – Mr. Mike Trout hitting twenty-one home runs, hitting at two eighty-five for this team. Shohei Otani, Jared Walsh, a combined twenty-eight home runs, both hitting between about a two sixty-two, two sixty-five, and then Matt Duffy. He's also hitting at two sixty-five. Bottom of the lineup with guys like Luis fo Tyler Wade and Company. They've been a little bit rough, but Taylor Ward being back, hitting above 300 double-digit amount of formers, that's big for the team as well. And both of these bullpens have been absolutely terrible. Aaron Loop, they're on the Ryan Tapera and Rossio Iglesias. All north of a 375 ERA for the Angels. J.B. Hargett is currently on the injured list and for the Seattle Mariners' Shrew second rider he wound up getting the F8 after he was so instrumental to the team's success last season. They now have Ken Giles back in the fold, which this is a very rare setting as we haven't seen him in a few years. Paul Sewald has posted up a sub-3 ERA and Eric Swanson coming off the injured list. That is very beneficial for the team as well, but that said, I do think that the Angels have a little bit of an edge here with them being at home. I do think that Ty France being out of the fold for the Seattle Mariners that does wind up hurting them quite a bit and I do do think that it impacts the total as well. Even with these bullpens, they wind up seeing the total at a 7.7, so looking under and with the Angels willing to lay up to a minus 128 with them. 921-922 on the bank board. The Pittsburgh Pirates at the road face off against the Tampa Bay Rays as Corey Kaluber is going to be going for the Rays and JT Burbaker is going to be on the bump for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is finding themselves an underdog of between plus 145 and plus 165 and for Tampa Bay. It's saying between minus 170 and minus 180 on them with 7.5 being the total under is any between minus 115 and minus 120 Five. Neo over Zenny, we're doing minus one of five and plus one of five and with Kluber and company. I did want to say the Tampa Bay Rays at a minus 178 on the money line, if you're taking a look at the run line, you're going to be able to get that between a plus 115 to a plus 120. Anything above a plus 105 was going to be a take for me, so I'm going to look to reduce the juice. I'm going to be taking a look at the Tampa Bay Rays on the run line, and what has really impressed me about Craig Kluber thus far this season has been the fact that he's been able to really make sure that he's not walking anyone. His walks per nine rate is hovering right around a 1.5, so he's done a great job with command and he's getting right around 8 strikeouts per 9 innings. Nothing great, nothing terrible, and at home, it's been better than he's been on the road. 303 home area, 386 road ERA, giving up just 3 home runs in 32 and 2 thirds innings at home. And for JT Burbanker, who wound up having some very demonstrative home and road splits last season, he's been able to rate it in much more this season, 415 road ERA, 406 home ERA. He's given up right around 1.1 home runs per 9 innings. Now the walks, that is still a little bit of an issue. He's given up nearly 4 walks. Per nine innings but nine strikeouts per nine innings. He's been a steady Eddie guy with the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's been a very curious case in which Darn near all their wins are coming out of the bullpen. I believe all but five of them have. So that has been something to take a look at because Chris Stratton is right now the team leader in wins with four. That just should not be happening. But J.C. Young has a sub-two ERA. David Benar buck-30 ERA. Both of these guys have been coming out of the bullpen. They're both able to give you multiple innings. Tyler Beattie is a little bit of a long guy. He's been very soft for the team. Sub-three ERA. William Crowe wound up getting lit up a couple days ago against the Cubs by and large. He's been able to do a solid job with the Tampa Bay Rays. They just have an unrivaled bullpen and this is still a Pittsburgh Pirates Seem that they're right around league average with regards to bullpen ERA. While well, everyone else is playing checkers, the Rays are always playing chess. JP Fire Eyes and is currently out of the fold on the injured list, but Jason Adam, sub 2 ERA. You've been able to have Jalen Beeks whenever he's been out there give you a sub 2 ERA. Matt Weiser, Colin Pooch, both of these guys, sub 250 ERA. Brooks Riley more rounded, 270 ERA with the Rays. The concern that you do have with this team is that the power numbers are down. Mike Zanino, who wound up having 30 plus home runs last season, it has been a hot mess this season. He's been a little bit banged up as he, Tyler Walls. right <laughs> back. Rene Pinto, Brett Phillips, Vidal Brujan. These guys ranks up 200, but I mean, you wind up having Isaac Paredes give four home runs in that series against the New York Yankees. I don't think that that's necessarily going to be holding to form. But that said, that winds up helping the team out. Yandy Diaz, G-Man Choi, they both have right around 385 on base. Harold Ramirez, he's been able to do a solid job hitting right around 280. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you've got a breath of life coming for the team in Oniel Cruz, who wound up getting six RBI in his first series of the season against the Cubs. Though you do have he along Cal Mitchell, Martin Perez, Hoy Park, Jax Wisniewski hitting a 225 or lower. Forrest Wisniewski wound up having three home runs on Fathers. A. Brett Phillips hitting above 300. the last three days. He's been able to achieve that. And Michael Chavis, he's hitting a 260 as well. But that said, I do think that the Tampa Bay Rays going to be able to get a very good start here. Out of Corey Kluber, I do think that this is a Pirates team that they still are going to be struggling with their offense. And the bullpen can sometimes be a little bit up and down. did wind up I'm saying my at a 7.9. I think that this is a little bit too low in this spot. I do think that the Rays are going to be able to get to Brubaker. So I'm going to be taking a look at Tampa Bay on the run line and it's going to be taking a look at this total over 9.23 9.24 on the betting board. The Washington Nationals hit the road off against the Walker Texas Rangers as Josiah Gray is going to be on the bump for the Nationals and it is good old to be determined who's going to be on the bump for the Walker Texas Rangers. This is a game that's currently off the board. Taylor Hearn it would typically be his spot to be able to start and he has been moved to the bullpen. Now there's speculation that he could wind up getting bulk innings in this game but with that said we just don't know who the Texas Rangers are going to be trotting out There. It's probably going to be Hearn for a few innings, and then you could wind up having like some sort of an opener situation. And with the opener, along with bulk Taylor Hearn, I did wind up setting the Rangers at a minus 136 in the spot and made my total a 9.1 to where a 9 or less I'd be looking at an over 9.5 or higher to the under with the Rangers. They've actually been playing some good ball recently. You don't have, have a team that has a bunch of formidable bats or anything like that as you currently got Cole Calhoun, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, along Charlie Culberson all in that neighborhood about a 228 to a 238. But Seager's been able to have 15 home runs thus far this season. Simeon, all seven of his home runs have come in the last 30 or so games. And you've gotten Nate low hitting at 275 for this team. Ezekiel Duran, as we have moved the line at Adeliz Garcia, hitting nearly a 300 over the last 30 days as well. And- with the Washington Nationals. You've got guys that are able to get on base for you. That is not going to be the issue as you've got both Hernandez's and Yadiel and Cesar Hernandez, Mikel Franco, Kibar Ruiz, all these guys hanging in the neighborhood about a 255 to a 265. Nelson Cruz over the last three days, he's been able to 300 as well, but his power numbers are down. Juan Soto and Josh Bell are the only guys that would be able to give this team more than seven home runs. Bell is sitting at 300, but Soto sitting at 215. The on-base percentage has been okay, but he's sitting at 215 right now. That is a little bit of an issue on the Washington Nationals. They've had one of the worst bullpens out there in the big leagues. They've experimented with guys like Victor Rondo company. It's not worked out. They're trying to give Reed Garrett some innings. I don't think that that's going to work. Andres Machado has been posting up north of a 5 ERA. Kyle Finnegan north of a 4. Carl Edwards Jr. It's actually been one of your best relievers, especially with Steve check posting up a 5 plus ERA. And for the Texas Rangers, if they do wind up utilizing a little bit of a bullpen game, not necessarily the worst decision in the world, as Matt Moore is someone that's a starter of the past 227 ERA for him. If had a sub-2 ERA of Brock Burke, Joe Parlow has been able to give you some good innings for Taylor Hearn. Whenever he's been starting, he's been a hot mess. Out of the bullpen, he wasn't necessarily too terrible last season, but I mean, he has been really bad this year, especially on the road. 861 roadie area, 475 home area. Not necessarily giving up a ton of bombs. One and a half home runs per nine innings is still a little bit high, but that said, he's just giving up a lot of contact in general. His opponents are hitting a 300 off of him. and this is a Washington National team that they actually do a good job of being over each base. So, this is a spot in which, with Hearn and the bullpen, I did wind up saying the Rangers at a minus 136, and 9 or less will be taking a look at it over, and a 9.5 or higher, going to be taking a look at it under. 925, 926 on the betting board. The Milwaukee Bears are going to be playing us to the Toronto Blue Jays. As you see, Kikuchi is going to be going for the Blue Jays, and one Corbin Burns is going to be on the bump for Milwaukee. Milwaukee is between a minus 143 and a minus 155 favorite. Meanwhile, with Toronto, it's between plus 133 and plus 135. 8 to 8.5 is your total. On the 8, over is any between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is any between even a minus 1 5. On the 8.5, under is minus 120, and the over is even. And with the Toronto Blue Jays, I did wind up saying them in this spot at a plus 167, so I'm going to be willing to take a shot here on the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, if you're Take a look at the run line of the Brewers. You're able to get that in a lot of places right around about a plus 135. I would need a little bit more of a plus price personally. I would rather go with the money line, especially with the Brewers having a starting lineup that yesterday did not feature a single guy hitting above a 255. So, you don't necessarily have, have a bunch of guys that do a supreme job of getting on base for this Milwaukee Brewers team, but you do have Josh Hader, Devin Williams, eighth and ninth inning guys out there in the bullpen, along with Holby Miller and Brian Boxberger, both being able to give you a sub two ERA. And Corbin Burns has actually been very interesting at home this far this season, as you take a look at what he's been able to do in Milwaukee. He's posting up an ERA that is right around a three oh two. Buck sixty four on the road. He's been significantly better away from Milwaukee. He is only giving up a right around 1.1 home runs per 9 innings. walks per 9 rate. Continues to stay steady right around 2-ish. Strikeouts per 9, barely below 12. He has still been lights out opponents starting a buck 92 off of him and actually hitting a lower batting average at home than on the road. I think that he's just been a little bit unlucky at home And For Yusei Kikuchi, there's just no trusting in him at this point because he doesn't have any command. His walks per 9 rate is well north of 5. He has given up at least 3 runs in each out of his last 4 starts. On the road, Yusei Kikuchi has actually been a little bit better than at home. 470 road ERA, 512 home ERA. But that said, he's still giving up 11 home runs at 54 and two-thirds innings. So it's a home run per nine rate. Right? right around a 1.9. Swing and miss stuff has been there. 10 strikeouts per nine innings. He is going to benefit from the fact that the Milwaukee Brewers just have not been able to get much out of Christian Yelich this season. But you do have a trio of guys. Rowdy Tellez, along with William Adamus, and Hunter Renfro that have been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. And for Andrew McCutcheon, you're able to throw in there. Omar Nervaez, along Tellez, and run for their all-inning between about a 245 to 255, and the Blue Jays, they do have the better lineup here, but they did wind up having George Springer out the fold yesterday. You saw Bo Bichette, Long Flagger Jr. throwing their Santiago Spinal, in between about a 262 to 270, with Flagler Jr. 17 home runs, Bichette more around 11, but the power numbers have been down a little bit now. I will say this about Jace Hernandez. He was dealing with an injury a little bit earlier in the season. Over the last 30 days, he's hitting a 337 with 5 home runs, so he has really been able to pick it up. Alejandro Kirk, hitting above a 300 as well, but you yeah, have been noticing that the power numbers for Toronto have been down just a shade. And I do have to give a big advantage to the Brewers bullpen because you do take a look at this Blue Jays bullpen, they're currently in the bottom 10 in the big leagues. Trevor Richards is currently out of the fold for the team, and even when he was with them, he wasn't doing a good job. Now, Tim Mesa throwing their David Phelps, both of these guys, a sub 250 ERA, but thanks, Castillo is someone that you really can't trust. And Jeremy Beasley has posted up north of his 6 ERA as well. Even Jordan Romano late in games has not necessarily been to seller. So, this is a spot in which i I'm going to be one to take the Brewers on the money line. Set them more around a minus 165 on that money line and semi-total at a 7.7 even with Cucucci's struggles shall we say. I do think that it is going to be a case of which Brewers aren't going to be able to put up a ton of runs here. So look at Brewers and looking under 927, 928 on the bank where the Colorado Rockies have thrown face off against the Minnesota Twins. Chris Archer is going to be going for the Twins and Antonio Sensatella is going to be on the bump for Colorado. Total on this game is 9. Juice is all over the place. The under is anywhere between minus 115 to a plus 105 and the over is anywhere between a minus 105 to a minus 125. Meanwhile, with Minnesota, find them anywhere between minus 165, minus 173, between plus 140 and plus 158 is your price in Colorado. And with the Rockies, I needed at least a plus 162 to be able to take a shot here. If you're taking a look at the run line of the Minnesota Twins we're right now, finding that at a plus 115 to a plus 120. At the plus 120, I'm going to be willing to take a shot on them. I did wind up saying this at a plus 114 officially so I would be willing to take it at a plus 115 if it's all said and done but when it comes to Antonio Sensatella the big reason why I am willing to take that Twins run line at right around a plus 115 to a plus 120 is that he's just giving up so much contact in general and honestly I feel like he should have a little bit of a higher ERA than he does right now because when it comes to Antonio Sensatella his hits per 9 rate is nearly 14. I'm not even kidding that is absolutely ridiculous right there and the Colorado Rockies just home to road. They have a bunch of guys like a Lucas Gilbreth. You're able to throw in there. Justin Lawrence. Guys like this that they wind up posting up ERAs that are nearly three points higher on the road than at home. Daniel Bart has been okay for this team, but Tyler Kinley doesn't back up this team really with much of anything whatsoever. And for Antonio Sensatello, he falls into that trap of home and road splits. 352 home ERA, 675 road ERA. Opponents are at 365 off of them at home, 359 off of him on the road. So he's given up contact upon contact. Now the good news for is that he only gives up right around 2.2 walks per nine innings. And for Chris Archer, length is not necessarily what he's going to be able to give you. He's given between four and five innings in pretty much every one of his starts thus far this season, but he's been able to do a solid job holding down the fork, giving up two earned runs or fewer in each out of his last four starts. So he sort of knows his job, and then he winds up giving off to long guys, like a Griffin Jacks who's able to give you multiple innings. He's been able to do a good job of be able to give you, you all jack stuff for lack of a better term. He's been posting up a 2.88 ERA. You've got Yoan Duran, who currently leads the big leagues in terms of pitches, thrown at 100-plus miles per hour, 12.5 strikeouts per nine innings, 225 ERA. So he's been able to do a good job. Heck, even someone like an Emilio Pagan, who does find it giving up a little bit too much hard contact, he's able to give you a solid inning or two. And when it comes to this Minnesota Twins lineup, we've got a lot of guys who are able to get on base for you as Carlos Correa is hitting nearly 300. Luis Arias, 440 on base, right around a 350-ish in terms of his batting average. You've had in and out of the fold by Erin Buxton. That's been hurting him. He was out of the fold once again yesterday, but he should be able to return in this one. That's going to be big because nobody in the starting lineup yesterday. More than seven home runs this season, but still have Nick Gordon along to your show, Hitting right around 260 for this bunch. And for the Colorado Rockies, this is a team that they go on a power outage whenever they wind up hitting the road. They average well over a home run per game at home, right around 0.6 home runs per game on the road. CJ Crone, 17 home runs this far this season. 13 of them have come at home. Brandon Rodgers, six home runs this season, all of them have come at Coors Field, and this is a Colorado Rockies team that has a collective. They hit about 35 to 40 points lower on the road rather than at home, so that is something that's really going to be ailing this team along with Antonio Sizzatella, just not doing a great job in general of being able to hold down the Fort Jose Glacius. this may have hit a little bit on the road, but that said, You've got a big follow-up with these guys like Charlie Blackman and company, so I am willing to take the Minnesota Twins on the run line in this spot. I did want to my total at a 9.2 because it is a case in which you're going to be relying a lot on this Minnesota bullpen, and with all the contact that Antonio Sensatella winds up giving up, I think that we're going to get a lot of runs here, so looking at the Minnesota Twins on the run line, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over, and we wrap things up with 929-930 on the banging board as the Detroit Tigers at the face-off against the Arizona Diamondbacks as Zach Davies is going to be going for Arizona, and Alex Fieto is going to be on the bump for Detroit. Detroit is finding themselves in between a plus-130 to a plus-135 underdog. Arizona is anywhere between minus-142 and minus 158. After to nine is their total on the eight and a half. Over is minus-115. The under is minus-105 on the nine. Under is anywhere between minus-115 to minus-120. The over is any between even a minus-105. And when it comes to Detroit, needed at least a plus-158 to be able to take a shot here. I don't know if I want to dabble with this Arizona run line though, because this has been a Detroit Tigers bullpen that ranks in the top seven in the big leagues in bullpen ERA. Willie Peralta has been able to post up a sub-2 ERA We've really been able to get some good production out of guys like an Alex Lang. Even to go down the board a little bit, someone like a Jacob Barnes has been able to do a okay job for the team this season. He's been even one of the more less than trustworthy guys for the team, but the Detroit Tigers with guys like Michael Former and company have really been able to piecemeal this thing together, and when it comes to what you're able to get out of Fieto, he's been a steady, any guy that has given up two runs or fewer in pretty much all but two of his starts thus far this season. Now, those are the most recent two starts in which we want to giving up 12 runs, 11 or over the course of 7 and a 3rd innings against the Red Sox and the White Sox but prior to that, first 7 starts went between 5 and 6 innings in every one of them giving up between 1 and 2 runs and now he's facing up against an Arizona Diamondbacks lineup that's in the bottom 5 of the big leagues in terms of batting average Keitel Marte has been dealing with a little bit of an injury for this team, wound up returning yesterday he, Alec Thomas, in between a 265 to a 275 and really past that, nobody else in the starting lineup hitting above a 250 so that's an issue for the team, Joshua Ross has been able to give you a little bit of production, and Christian Walker, 19-19 home runs this far this season, but hitting just a 2.08, and for the Arizona Diamondbacks, befuddling to take a look at their home and road splits in terms of home runs. They get nearly a home run and a half per game on the road at home, less than a home run per game. Dalton Varsho has went into a little bit of a dip in terms of his power as well. Just one home run over the last three days. He's got overall for the season, nine, hitting right around 2.40, and for the Detroit Tigers, you just have nobody getting on base for the CMS. You've got Eric Koss, Jimmy Candelario, Jonathan Scope, Spencer Torkelson, Javi Baez, Cody uh, Clements all hitting a 220 or lower for the team. Now, Riley Green, ever since he's been called up, has been solid. But the 375 batting average I take with the grain of salt. He's only made 16 plate appearances going into Friday. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, has been a bullpen that has been a little bit touch and go. But Joe Benatipoli, sub-1 ERA. He's been terrific for the team. Mark Melanson is north of 5 ERA. Has not been cutting it. Noah Ramirez, right around a 450 ERA. JB Wendelkin, same boat for him. But John Poppin, he has been a poppin'. 260 ERA, you've had Kyle Nelson be able to provide some very solid innings as well. And for Zach Davies, someone who throughout his career has had a little bit of an issue giving up hard contact, has had an issue with command as well. He's been rated in a little bit more this season. He's given up right around 2.8 walks, for 9 innings, 1.2 home runs per 9. He's really turned over a little bit of a new leaf for this team. Take a look at his last 5 starts, posting up a 281 ERA in that time span. Has been able to deliver some good length, averaging over 6 innings in that time span as well, with opponents hitting a 200 off of him in those last 5 starts as well. And at home, he's been able to give you a 365 ERA compared to a 426 on the road, swinging himself. Still not necessarily there with them. He's still giving you right around 7 strikeouts per 9 innings, but that said, it's a Detroit Tigers team that came in Friday, averaging 2.2 runs per game on the road. Semi-total at a 7.9, so I'm looking at the under. Over oh, the Diamondbacks, willing to lay up to a minus 158 on them. Don't want them on the run line, but I would be willing to take them here on the money line, and that will wrap things up. For the Saturday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN family of podcasts, a big thanks to Major Matt, a.k.a. Matt Josephs, for joining me in the last segment. If you do like returning from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind letters ZM. Yeah. I mean, does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, there terrible fire and whatever you like here on this podcast. Five, that five-star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
7: Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck.
6: I'm going to make him an offer
8: he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business.
0: Introducing The Godfather at Chappacasino.com.